attention patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So glad to have you here with me today on the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. We have a Supreme Court case that we're going to be talking about now, brand new one just hot off the presses, (laughs) that we're going to discuss today uh, from a perspective, of course, that may not be given in the news. As a matter of fact, this is so hot off the presses, I'm not even sure I've seen it given on the news anywhere just yet. So uh, I want you to have the truth about this case, about this decision, from the perspective of the Constitution of the facts and not from a political bias or some kind of bent or some kind of agenda. And what we're talking about today is the Supreme Court case that just came out, uh, Nielsen, Secretary of Homeland Security versus um, these aliens. So it's, it's an illegal alien case where the headlines coming up are Supreme Court defends or or sticks with Donald Trump or upholds Donald Trump or however they're wording that. I want you to know that this is not about Donald Trump. By the way, I think that it's important for us to mention here that uh, even the issue of the Supreme Court in this decision, even the action that was taking place that brought about this Supreme Court opinion was not really about Donald Trump. It's about a congressional statute regarding immigration. And this congressional statute is something that is up for, uh, is what's in this decision. It's actually uh, an immigration's customs enforcement statute written by Congress. It's completely statutory. As we're going to hear from from um, uh, Kavanaugh, he's going to tell us there's no constitutional issue that was actually given. No constitutional issue that was under discussion. So this is not whether Donald Trump violated some constitutional provision. He may have. The Supreme Court is not deciding that. This is not whether Donald Trump is uh, operating outside the Constitution. This is merely a, a statute. It's a statutory issue written by Congress, and it has to do with application. 
<laughs> what's what's interesting is not even as much about application as you'll see when we talk about the dissent written uh, by the, the the liberal justices and uh, Justice Breyer. And uh, you'll see that it's not even so much about application as it is about the definition of words and how those words are supposed to be, I don't know, defined, redefined, applied, whatever. And it's, it's interesting, we're going to see the hypocrisy of this Supreme Court dissent uh, and uh, basically what this is all about from the get-go. All right, so the case is uh, about the Nielsen Secretary of Homeland Security versus PREAP et al. Now, Kavanaugh offers up a concurrence. So Kavanaugh agrees with the majority of the opinion, and Kavanaugh... Uh, says to uh, make this clear. He says, this is not about the Constitution. There is a sole question, okay? So Kavanaugh, in his consent, uh, says, this is not about non-citizens who are being uh, detained for criminal acts. We've already said that non-citizens can be detained for criminal acts. This is not about non-citizens being uh, removed or detained before they are removed. The Supreme Court has already handled that situation as well. We've already said that non-citizens can be detained prior to their removal from the country. Kavanaugh says this is not even about how long they can be detained. So I'm, I'm telling you these what it's not about. Okay, because I know how the media works and I know how people who who want to engage in these conversations and make them about something that they're not and and bring you to some kind of conclusion that this is this is for or against someone, that this is something that is uh, retribution or vindication or proof of something or another. So it's very important for us to stand first what this case is not. So if you see this in the media, if you hear this in the media, this is about the detaining of illegal aliens. No, it's not. It's not about criminal acts. It's not about um, uh, how long they can be detained. It's not whether they can be detained, all right? We, the, Kavanaugh says the courts and the statutes have already discussed these things. He says it's not even about Congress giving the president a mandate to detain or a discretion to detain. So here we go in Kavanaugh's statement, it's not about Trump. All right, that's basically what he's saying. This is not about Trump. This is not about whether the president was allowed, what Congress made a mistake by giving the president the, the, um, the mandate to detain or the discretion to detain. He says, very specifically, this is a singular, very narrow question. You know, this has kind of been the trend of our Supreme Court. And I I knew that this was going to be the case because there 
under political attack for their composition and everybody's be like, well, of course, Kavanaugh and, and uh, Gorsuch are Trump appointees. So they're going to be all about Trump. They're all going to be about this. And so they're, they're going to walk very circumspectly when they make these decisions that have any way of implication to Donald Trump. And that's why Kavanaugh, I believe, is doing this. He's saying, look, this is not about Trump. This is a very narrow opinion. He says the sole question is whether under section 1226 of this statute, the executive branch has a mandatory duty to detain certain non-citizens when released from criminal custody, whether that mandatory duty to detain remains when that non-citizen is not immediately detained. Now, I know that doesn't, that may sound a little bit confusing because the argument is confusing. So let me give you the argument and then I'll restate Kavanaugh's sole question. The argument is that if a non-citizen has been arrested for a crime and the non-citizen is released from jail and for whatever reason, Maybe ICE didn't get notice. Maybe they didn't have the manpower. Maybe they didn't have the resources. Maybe they, they, something happened. There was a traffic jam or their flights were delayed. Okay. But for some reason, when that non-citizen charged with a crime was released from custody pending trial, the argument is that if ICE is there, waiting for them to come out of the jail, then section 1226 mandates that that ICE detain that criminally accused non-citizen without bail pending criminal prosecution and deportation. And the argument is, if that ICE agent is not there, waiting for that non-citizen who's accused of a crime He's not there waiting for them right when they get out of jail. And the non-citizen is released into society. I know there's this kind of disconnect here. Why would you release a non-citizen into society who's accused of a crime? That's a whole different story. That's not what's being asked here. So we have to, we have to sort of resist that, okay? We have to resist that. And so the, the situation is this, if ICE is not there, the moment they step out of the jail, then those who brought this case said that section 1226 does not apply. And because they were not there, even 24 hours, less than 24 hours, if they are not picked up within less than 24 hours and the argument is actually made by the, the dissenting court that if they're not there when they get out of the jail, immediately released, then the mandate does not apply and the non-citizen cannot be detained by ICE pending this criminal investigation. It sounds ridiculous. But I do have to mention to you that this is what happens in a world full of lawyers. Because we are taught in law school how to circumvent the laws. We are taught 
how to take the laws and pick what we want out of them to make a case for our side, to zealously represent our client. It's not about zealously discovering the truth. This is not, law is not investigative journalism. It's not about discovering and exposing the truth. I, I know it should be, but it's not. It's not about Perry Mason. The law and our criminal justice system has been about winning. That's it. Just about winning. And so what we have now is this question. The sole question. If ICE is not there the minute a non-citizen is released from jail pending a trial for criminal accusations, does Section 1226 still apply and can ICE immediately detain them pending deportation? Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. We are dealing with this, this case where you're going to be seeing in the headlines uh, things like, I, this was on Bloomberg, Supreme Court backs Trump administration deportation case. Um, this is just, we've got to be very clear, this is not about Donald Trump. This is about a section of the laws on immigration written by Congress. So if the media is going to be totally honest, oh, imagine that, right? If the media is going to be totally honest, the headlines would read, Supreme Court backs Congress in deportation case. The reason is it's all about Donald Trump is because the case is filed against the Secretary of Homeland Security and because Donald Trump is the uh, chief of the executive branch and the Department of Homeland Security is under the executive branch, then guess what? Now it's about Donald Trump. No, it's not. It's about a specific, it's not even about a whole statute. It's about a specific section in a specific statute, and actually, let me look at this right here, because these are my notes. This is, this is from the dissent. It's actually about one, two, three, four, five words and a number in a specific section of a specific statute. So we're talking about five words in a specific section of a specific statute, written not by the Department of Homeland Security, long before Donald Trump was in office, so it's not about Trump. But of course, that wouldn't sell, right? If the headlines were, the Supreme Court backs Section 1226, subsection 5E, the five words. Seriously, that would never sell a single click ever. So Kavanaugh says, look, it's not what you, it's not what you, I, I think, I, I really think Kavanaugh is trying to say it's not going to be what you hear it's going to be about. 
And they've been doing this because, you know, I think we have this idea of the independent judiciary as if the judiciary lives in some kind of bubble, right? Has some kind of bubble that they don't have to actually, that they're not aware of what goes on in their surroundings. Come on now, that's ridiculous. They know how the media takes what they do and, and shines a light on it the way they want to shine the line on it for their clickbait, for their sales, for whatever advertisement money they make off of it. And Kavanaugh is trying to tell us, as the, as the justices have in, in many of the cases that we've covered, this is not what the media says it's about. It's not about Donald Trump. It's about a single section, section 1226, in an act, a statute written, passed into law. Does ICE have to be, does Homeland Security have to be at the jail, at the time a non-citizen is released from custody in order to detain them pending deportation? Because Justice Breyer and his dissenters say no. Or I'm sorry, say yes. That if they are not there, the moment the non-citizen gets out of jail pending his trial, then Department of Homeland Security, ICE, has no jurisdiction to detain these people. The dissent says, quote, uh, it's all about this section, quote, an alien described in paragraph one. So the section says an alien described in paragraph one must be held without a bail hearing. Now, the dissenters, Breyer and the dissenters say, well, it all revolves around the meaning of an alien described in paragraph one. And in paragraph one, the alien described is upon release. So they say if they're not there upon release, the moment upon release means right then, that moment. If they're not there at that moment of upon release, then this section does not apply and the Department of Homeland Security, ICE, cannot take these people into custody. They don't have to be held. It's interesting that... uh, the way that they are spending such time, the dissenters in these details of these words, when the details of the words in the Constitution don't seem to mean that much to them. You can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. So we're going to be finishing up this section right now on this uh, Supreme Court case. Just to wrap this up, this is not about Donald Trump. This is not about anything that Donald Trump has done. This is about a congressional act and non-citizens charged with a crime how we apply this congressional act. There's uh, 
there's this interesting thing that Kavanaugh says. He says, quote, there is, he says, there is no, he says, there's no constitutional issues presented here. It's simply this sole question. And Thomas, Justice Thomas also writes a question, a, a, a consent, a uh, consenting opinion and a concurring opinion rather. And there's something that Thomas says in here that really bothers me. And I just want to say it out loud to you because I'm afraid if I don't say it out loud to you, um, if it comes back, then it will be missed. So I want to share this with you just as a concern about the direction and application of statute by our Supreme Court. Thomas says that uh, because the section 1226 subsection E says this, quote, no court may set aside any action or decision by the secretary under this section. So let me boil this down to you. Congress has written into 1226 that the court cannot question the Secretary of Homeland Security in a decision regarding the detaining of a non-citizen. Let me just repeat that. Congress has written a statute that says the courts cannot check an action of the executive branch. And Justice Thomas says, because Congress has written a statute that says the federal courts cannot question what the Secretary of Homeland Security's decision might be. Thomas says the federal courts didn't even have jurisdiction to decide this case. So Thomas went into this whole jurisdiction argument. He gave several re uh, reasons why the federal courts didn't even have jurisdiction to decide this. But this one just jumped out at me. And I'm very, very concerned that there may be a trend. And I'm hoping Thomas is the only one. But there may be a trend that the co Supreme Court believes. I guess it wouldn't be a new trend because he actually uses precedent to to uh, justify that, the con that, that Congress can write a legislative act shielding itself or the executive branch from judicial authority, from a check and balance. Now, that should be something that's very, very concerning to us. Very, very concerning. And I think it's something that we might, we might need to look at. I mean, on my paper, I have like these big question marks and exclamation points because I find this very, very disturbing. Very disturbing. And I have to wonder what in, the, in that kind of line of thinking is the limit to congressional power if Congress can actually write laws that says, guess what? Um, we don't have to, uh, we, we, we are not going to be 
uh, checked on this. We're writing ourselves a power that is absolutely uncheckable by the judicial branch. Now, when Thomas Jefferson spoke about co-equal branches of government, he was specifically speaking about their co-equal power to check and balance each other. He wasn't talking about that they were delegated co-equal portions of power. The judiciary does not hold the same amount of power as the legislative or the executive. The executive does not hold the same amount of power. Congress does not hold the same amount of power. All you have to do is look at the Constitution itself and you can see that. You can see what it is that uh, the, the delegations of power are not equal. They are unequal. Congress holds more power, the president less than Congress, but more than the judiciary, the judiciary being the least powerful of all branches. And that's a quote from the drafters of the Constitution, by the way, that the judiciary was the least powerful branch. But they have an equal authority, an equal opportunity. I wouldn't say opportunity because the opportunities are different, but they are equal. To check power. Out of control. So what that means, so I think what Thomas Jefferson is trying to tell us is that the judiciary doesn't have to ask permission of the Congress to check congressional power when it's unconstitutionally being exercised. The judiciary does not have to ask the permission of the um, executive branch to check executive power. The judiciary doesn't even have to ask permission of Congress to check executive, executive power. And yet we have Justice Thomas saying that because Congress has written into its statute that the judiciary cannot question an executive agent, that that removes all jurisdiction to question this executive in this matter from the judiciary. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a very, very, very frightening kind of perspective for me. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even want to think about the idea that uh, we have in a Supreme Court. I know we have a Supreme Court that's been off the rails many times. But to think that that we have a potential majority in the Supreme Court that believes that Congress can write laws eliminating the checks and balances. I mean, there has to be examples of that already in place, don't you think? It's already working that way. I guess maybe just, it's just one of those things, you know, <laughs> you know it's working that way. But it's one thing to know it. And another thing to see it and to hear it actually articulated by a member of this, you know, of, of, of a political body, a member of someone in power who, who has the ability or the authority to act under that. It's just, it's disturbing to me. But it's, it's why we do what we do. It's why we teach at libertyfirstuniversity.com. Uh, 
It's why we have the classes that we have. It's why we do what we do. Because as long as the media state takes control, as long as the government has control over the media and what we know, what we think, and how we think about things are dictated by these folks in power, then nothing's going to change. Been studying for new classes at Liberty First University, been studying for some classes that I'm going to be teaching in the fall at the River School of Government. And I'm just um, more and more become more aware of the level of ignorance that have, has overtaken the American people regarding the government that we have. It's not a new level of ignorance because those who were our liberty movement, those who were our um, battling for our freedom and our independence, those people, those people fought this kind of ignorance too. But it was different because the ignorance that they were fighting was because people had been raised as subjects in a kingdom for their whole life, being taught over and over and over again, you are a subject. I mean, to hear those words, you are a subject from the day you are born, has to have a psychological effect on how you think about yourself and how you think about government. So for every day, for generations, your whole life, knowing and hearing that you are a subject and that your king, your king is your provider, your protector, that you love your king like a savior. I mean, the love of that the people held for their king. They would mourn their deaths. Not just, you know, my, my president is dead and I'm very sad about that and it's a terrible tragedy and, you know, but, but as if they had lost a father. Mourning the death of the king as if they'd lost a mother. And so the idea of saying that these people were bad, that they were doing things contrary to, to the good, the rights of the people, to the, the, the gifts of liberty of, from God. You see, that's a problem. They had to overcome that. That's huge, huge brainwashing. But we haven't been raised that way. We don't live in a kingdom. And I'm saying in the obvious aspect of the word. I know that's how our government has operated for over 150 years. But we don't wake up being taught that we are subjects. We actually are taught that we're free. We actually, we actually taught that we have rights. That we are free. That government of the people, by the people, for the people. We are taught that. And so to, to believe that our government is out of control and that it needs to be fixed, 
ought not be something that's offensive to the people. But alas, it is. Welcome back to the last segment of the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I hope that I've been able to help you with the Supreme Court case uh, to help bring you the truth about it. It's a very, very narrow decision. And it, it, it does conclude, I don't, <laughs> I, I think I sort of maybe got into the discussion so much, I'm not sure. It does conclude that the statute says that yes, it doesn't matter whether you've been released five minutes, 24 hours, five hours, or five days. The uh, Department of Homeland Security, pursuant to 12, section 1226, must detain you pending deportation and your trial. So you can't evade, you cannot evade the authorities long enough to remain a non-citizen accused of a crime roaming the streets. That's what the Supreme Court says. You can have your opinions about whether the Supreme Court is right or wrong and, and the liberty aspect of this, but we're not, that's not what this show is about today. This show is about knowing what the Supreme Court case was actually about. And so the Supreme Court in the majority opinion says, yes, it's, it is according to Congress, the authority of the Department of Homeland Security of Immigration Customs Enforcement to detain these people regardless of how long they've been out of jail. It would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. Because you see, you can detain somebody pending deportation who's not committed a crime. But then the, the dissent, Breyer and the dissent argue that if you've been, you've committed a crime and you've somehow evaded the, the uh, agent for a, lo- a long enough period of time, then you cannot be detained. So what it means is the dissent would have criminals have a lower standard of jurisdiction than, than people who are not committed, who have not been accused of a crime. So if you're just simply a non-citizen subject to deportation, then uh, Homeland Security and then Department of uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement can actually take you into custody and detain you until your deportation. But the dissent would have you that if you're a citizen pending deportation and you've committed a crime, then you cannot be taken into custody. See, this is part of the, the lunacy, the lunacy of this, this progressive, I, you know, I don't even know what, the Marxist ideology and until we take back the information, until we take back our knowledge, things are not going to change. I want to just sort of close with a little tidbit of news. Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, has joined Fox News Corporation. Now that should not surprise you. Everybody was wondering where he was going to be going when he voluntarily left voluntarily but I want to I want to show you why that should concern us I'm going to be publishing an article um, today or tomorrow I'm not sure when I have time to it about how Congress 
created a ministry of truth through the Smith Modernization Act of 2012. The Smith Modernization Act was an effort to keep government out of media. Now, it happened the other way around. So Woodrow Wilson hired George Creel to be the director of the Commission of Public Info. He was the editor of the Rocky Mountain News. And um, uh, FDR hired Elmer Davis, who was a CBS analyst, to be the director of the Office of War. So we had government hiring journalists to create the agencies of propaganda feeding information to the people during times of war, during times of uh, conflict. And so the Smith Modernization Act, which uh, was passed in 1940, or, I'm sorry, the Smith Mont Act was passed in 1948 prohibited tax dollars from funding this kind of thing so we couldn't be doing these these propaganda agencies anymore well now we have the smith modernization act which repealed that allows tax dollars to be used to fund uh media propagation media propaganda but now we also have the other thing going on here too we have government infiltrating media And I just want to suggest something to you. Paul Ryan was a lapdog taking his marching orders when he was Speaker of the House. Do you think that he stopped sitting on that lap when he went to work for Fox? And whose marching orders will he be taking there? Just more proof of the fake agended news. See you next time.